Welcome to Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Holy Fuck. Two gals on the prowl for enlightenment, sex, and all things holy. Holy Fuck. Each week, beauty alchemist and transformational coach and speaker, Catherine McClelland, and spiritual healer and life coach, Krista Kim, discuss navigating spiritual consciousness in a real human body. Stumbling through dating, relationships, and everyday life, all while maintaining a fucking sense of humor. Hello, Krista. Hello, Catherine. Yeah, so we're exploring something that makes us (laughs) blush a little bit today. Ready, Krista? Can you say emasculation? Emasculation. Emasculation. Masculine. You chop it off. You chop <laughs> off the masculine. Denutting. Denutting. Oh, God. They won't be able to hang those things off their truck nuts anymore. I love saying truck nuts. Truck nuts. I only ever saw D-nut that once the trucks. here at Vons. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? We're referencing our... Uh, episode with the Dopass mom, uh, Andrea Loveoff. But anyways, yes. He's from Texas who shared with us what truck nuts are. <laughs> so you may have to go listen, but they hang off the back of your truck. That's all we're going to say here. And now we're talking about when your guy has the nuts, why do you like come in and want Need to... Need to steal the show. Yeah. Why do we, why what, do, we and do that? I don't know if we have a why, actually, but we are like starting to lay down the path of, ooh, that's bad. And, and our sons and oh, husbands gone. and coworkers and yeah. All the different ways in which we try to bring down their masculine energy. So And why are we doing that? Well, one of the reasons we know is that we're trying to restore some of our own power. Yes. We feel a little out of control when they get too much in control, even if it's for us. Right? Even if they're giving something to us, if it's got too much power in it, one of the ways that we feel powerful is to control things, right? Yeah. So, I how remember, do we control guys when they're. I think the first time I was really getting a sense of what that concept um, looked like was, um, and I know we've referenced it before, David Data's book, The Way of the Superior Man. And that book just gave so many great examples of like why a woman wants her man to be in control and have power to ravage her yes because yes. it actually makes her feel safe yes and sexually expressive and interested and passionate right, right. but then there's that balance piece as in everything of where um, if the masculine is way too big then you know how do we compensate or that's a curious it. thought can the masculine actually get too big if the man is really whole and healthy or is it a I don't sign? know. I've never met one. Yeah. <laughs> Not true. I've met one. I met a few, I promise. Because I think my last, I mean, come on, Rico Suave was Suavo. very soft, Suavo, <laughs> golden eyes, fuck nut, chuck nut. Um, he <laughs> She's was not angry at all. I'm still so happy. Um, he was very much in a masculine, but yeah. in the unhealed masculine. And so he's really my... I think my only example in my life of a man that I really see in like the over like really powerful masculine because I, I had think one too. Most of the men, whether it's even dads, stepdads, grandfathers, they were more meek and mild. Huh? Really? Even though they could take care of things and get things done and right. could provide, there was just a little bit more of a yes, dear. 
behind it? Not my experience at all. Interesting. I think I've been battling, I've been trying to take down the masculine since, say, one years (laughs) old. My father and I had an extremely contentious relationship. Mm. And he would he would do things, and my experience of him was he had a little of the Lord of the Manor kind of thing going right. on, where he would sit there and he's like, "Whose turn is it to wait on me?" It was never my turn. It was never I was never going to do it. I would sit in my chair and clench my teeth and grab my little fists and just. So that's interesting. So I could see why you would want to go down the route of like taking down the masculine from such a young age. I didn't have any of those type of men in my life. And yet I still wanted to take down the masculine. Like I was the girl Mm -hmm. on the playground in first grade, like beating up the boys and like kicking them (laughs) and karate chopping. And it was like, I did that for years in elementary school. But what if it's because you didn't have, so it's the opposite side. You didn't have a strong masculine in your life and sometimes not much of masculine really presence in your life. So you felt like you had to be the boy. I just, I I definitely was... uh, I wanted to be a boy. I mean, I definitely, I wanted to like take my shirt off and play shirts and skins playing football in the neighborhood with all the boys. Like I didn't see any difference between us. That's yeah. how much of a boy That's how much I of wanted a boy to be. You wanted to be. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Until I got my period. Then I was like, oh, now I have boobs and a butt and now I'm not doing that. And now I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm a girl and I'm going to go find someone to have sex with. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I do think it's interesting. You know, mine came from a contentious, well, who knows where it came from the stars, but it came from a contentious relationship where I felt like my father was too in charge of me. Mm. And so the two ways of handling that, one is to be manipulative and sneaky, which women do, right? right. That's our way because when power is too What are you talking about? Yeah, never, it never happened. <laughs> and the other way is to confront right on. And that's where I brought in a lot of disruption in my life and a lot of um, some somewhat abusive circumstances in my life was that mm-hmm. I had... So I was so tired of being overpowered, yet I kept bringing overpowering bosses into my life, um, men that I was dating, men that I married, things like that. And so this huge thing would come up in front of me. And instead of being smart, <laughs> you were doing the best you could. I was doing the best I with. could, but I would assault. I would. And what does go that mean after. to you? Like, so, so if you had a boss, criticize. Who- I would denigrate. I would. I would roll my eyes and be contemptuous. I just anything to let them know they didn't have my honor. Mm. I didn't I wasn't honoring them and I wasn't caring for them. There's this thing um John Gottman as he studied relationships forever and ever and he has this thing called the force four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay. Sounds bad, right? It's <laughs> yeah. when a relationship is really going downhill. Okay. And one of them is contempt. And it's one of the things that will destroy a relationship as fast as you can. So as I got more and more scared of the anger and whatever I was creating coming towards me, I started doing it sideways, but it was with contempt and mm. judgment. You know, and you can feel when someone's judging you. You don't right. even need them to say a word. Mm-hmm. So which would immediately either emasculate a man or he would have to come into his wholeness and call you on it and say, Hey, I'm this is not feeling good to me. I'm, you know, a good man and I don't want to be treated like this and I want to have some power here and I see you need some too. Like there's a way to manage it, but we would just take these up. I would be the wounded feminine and I would have the wounded masculine and we would just reflect it back and forth. I'm kind of thinking Chaos. mine came from because I've always felt like I had to take care of myself. 
Yeah. Like no one was going to do anything for me. I it just, the, the masculine part of me got really developed out of like survival mode. I'm not saying my parents didn't take care of me. I didn't have course, food to eat. I had all of those type of things, but it was definitely with an energy. We were always raised like no one's going to, you know, do, make the money for you or do your job for you or no one's going to help you. It's like you have to be self sufficient. And yeah, it was very. Was too- proud. Everybody was really proud in our house to be self-sufficient. So what that did was put this little shell around me of like, you know, the armor to like trudge through life as my my little dad. I was like a little mini version of my dad. In a right. Way. Right. And, and what's interesting is that we get blended things, right? You get some of your dad and some of your mom and some of the feminine and some of the masculine. But when we take charge like that, so women also go into survival. It's not just men that go into survival. So when when we go to survival, we're always in our ego and we're always in the hardest place. We, we're not actually functioning as a team. We're never trying to do... We're just trying, like, you're going to die or I'm going to die. It's going <laughs> to be, be you. It's going to be you. <laughs> and even when we're, like, connecting with other people on our team, everyone else is going to die. But if, it, if somebody invades the team, they're all going to die before me. Because it's all based in our really, like, our most basic brain, right? It's just like, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? That's all. The, that's it. So when we get into relationships and get into a power struggle, say both of us work. Mm-hmm. And we both are providing for the family. And then who gets to go get the day off first? Or who gets right. to, you know, and it, it turns into a... Who gets to be the man in the family? And if mm. the woman feels like she's overcompensating for a man who doesn't have enough power, she'll just take on being the man and he'll get weaker and weaker. Or he'll be so big, she'll start undercutting him by emasculating him. I think that's what I did in my marriage, just because he was the one who had the fancy career and made the money and there was um, there was a lot of respect around that and I can see ways in which I would emasculate him in order just to kind of bring him down a bit to raise myself up to be a more even footing with him. Like you would do it in ways, in places that you were responsible for, like around the kids. Like right. he couldn't do that right. So he was always like, uh, how do I do that right? And then, but the weird thing is it neutralizes your sexual attraction, right? For sure. And I think that that's what the way the superior man was really showing me and that when I'm behaving that way or trying to bring him down and emasculating him, it's like it's serving part of my being, but the part scared part, the scared part, but the part that it's not serving then is the one that likes him to be in control and in his masculine and that I find super sexy because there is really nothing sexier than a man who's in his power and in control. And I'm not saying in an asshole way. I'm just saying no, in no, very, in like, his real power, in his real in power. his grounded power yeah, and his super his sexy. Healed. It is super sexy. And, you know, it was really funny was there was a man I was with one time who I gave that book to. Uh-huh. And we had a contentious relationship going on. And it was so funny because he reacted so, I thought he would be like, oh, good, I get to be in charge and, you know, ravish my woman and all this. And he was furious. Why? I, I took me the longest time to figure it out. But I think it was because in the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine, there was a way that we were interacting where that's all that he wanted. And all the, what do you mean? All he, he wanted, wanted to be this big, strong man, oh. but he didn't know how to express it in a way that it was safe for me to receive it. Right. So I was always like blocking it. And he read it. He's like, 
you're crazy. You would never do this. Well, with my current partner, this is what we do. I know I would have done it. It had to do with the way that balance was coming and how I felt like I had to protect myself. So it's interesting. It's like when the masculine is strong in a healthy way, we can give into it. And it feels we safe. Have, and we have to be healed enough to give into it, right? That's right. our piece. But when the masculine is dangerous because it's not healed, we will have a protective instinct that will say to us, oh my God, don't, don't actually let this happen. Because that could, could actually turn out to be abusive. So it's a, it's a funny line. Like sometimes when people read those words of, you know, a woman wants to be taken or she wants to be ravished, like David Data talks about, it's a little tricky because with the wrong man, that can be rape. Right. Right? That could be, well, she said she wanted to be taken. Well, no, not right. like that. <laughs> so let us reiterate, healed. Healed, healed masculine. masculine and the healed feminine because right. the, the unhealed feminine will go in and try to be the man. Because I think I had this story that um, my ex wasn't masculine enough. I know you have that. And I was so in my masculine. And so I wasn't creating space for him to be there. Right. Right. And I also think I have some story of, God, this is going to sound awful, um, that size matters, meaning like the physical size of the man being a big man is going to be more masculine. And the reason I was connecting that, it's like from a survival instinct of feeling more safe because I have this thing of like oh I want to make sure that when the zombies come like the zombie apocalypse (laughs) that he's going to be able to pick me up or or save me from a shark and swim out and get me like there is something in me that was thinking I needed this big huge guy that that somehow represented the masculine Mm -hmm. and so now that I've gone through several different relationships um, three of them very big masculine looking guys and I've never felt more unsafe than I have with the three of them. Yeah. And then the two men that I've had a relationship that are normal size men, um, I feel super safe with. Like they're actually the ones who can physically save me from the zombies and who actually are man enough are willing to, to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they won't take care of themselves Whereas, first. Like, all the big guys were so into themselves that they would have, you know, Taking, gotten the fuck out of Dodge if the zombies were coming. And they might have called back like, you okay back there? <laughs> if you aren't, too bad. You know, it's really funny that you say that. And I think this thing about healed and unhealed is really important. Because there are big, strong, tall guys that are healed. And right. there are little, mini, or regular, average, and many people who are unhealed. And it's all I just seem place. to have gotten the big archetype types. Well, we were calling that in. <laughs> yes. And I will say we. And mm-hmm. absolutely, I did the same thing. And I noticed that I struggled with the idea of someone who was about my size. Right. And yet that person is the best match for me ever. And it's mm-hmm. not just because I'm all healed. And then that person is also in some ways very healed. So yes, testosterone plays a role. Yes, estrogen plays a role. Like we have to take all those things into account. And when we're coming from instinct, which is like cave woman and caveman, <laughs> our instincts are procreate. They're not right. create a relationship and a family. That's that's an instinct. So it's like if you're going to have sex with someone who's big enough and strong enough who will procreate a big, strong child who will likely survive, mm-hmm. your estrogen's going to say, choose this guy, right. choose this guy. And not necessarily the more... <laughs> 
the one that fits emotionally or values or anything like that. And, and I so, think this is really important for especially our younger listeners to hear because I actually hear this all the time when I'm out in the bars and I'm hanging out with younger women. It's a consistent, yeah, but he's not tall enough. Yeah, all and I think we time. can own that we've had that same experience within us or we wouldn't have married two Tall, strong. Exactly. So I'm saying, how can we like. So we have to acknowledge that it's instinct. You know, so Mm -hmm. this is the work of Alison Armstrong is just amazing work. And anybody who's interested in the difference between men and women and has relationship issues may want to go check her work out because the descriptions of the masculine and the feminine get so clear that you can see what you're up to and what the other person is. So you can be clear about your choices. Instinct, when we make choices from instinct, we're making choices from fear. It's survival-based. It's am I going to live another day-based. Mm-hmm. And it, our brains aren't even thinking. Our hormones are saying, go procreate with that guy. He's handsome. He's tall. He's strong. And he's going to make a gorgeous baby. That's it. But I should be out of that phase right now. <laughs> like, like, you still have estrogen? In, I know. But mentally, I'm like, I'm not out to procreate. Or No, that's because if you are in charge, Krista, you're not coming from instinct anymore. You're coming from your wholeness and your the, the field of oneness and you're loving and you're choosing, choosing, very important word, what you want. I know, but I still hear the old programming in the back of my head of he's not tall enough. Yeah. Even though he's checking off so many boxes, there's this survival thing in there, and, or maybe it's ego thing. I don't know. I think it's survival is ego. That's it. Ego is about survival. That's it. It's not like a mystery. Ego is not like a mystery person who comes in and inhabits your body. It Ego is simply your survival instinct. And it comes, it comes flooding in if we feel the slightest bit afraid. So in a time in your life where you're feeling a little tender and a little wobbly, it makes perfect sense that you went out and grabbed a couple big guys to hang out with. And Almost like to be my anchors. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And one of, <laughs> I did the same thing. One of the men that I chose because he was big and looked strong and tall and everything like that was actually like one of the most feminine men and would never <laughs> stand up for me. And I was like, oh my God, how did I do that? And I ended up... And I have to take full responsibility for this, completely emasculating him by the end. Like, can't you find somewhere else to be today? (laughs) You know, and it's complicated because of our housing situation. But in some ways, it was the most shocking experience because in the beginning, there was so much giving to me and caring for me and all that. And by the end, I have to admit that the way that we interacted and a lot of the fear that I was in drove me into a place where I just, it's like I reached over and grabbed his balls and yanked him off his body, <laughs> stuck him on me. I was but like, why, I like, am taking charge of this situation. But if he was giving and giving and giving, what was it that you needed to take charge of? I'm not sure. Something got triggered. I, You know, um, I had some financial things happening And I felt like I wasn't being cared for by him in in that area. And not I didn't feel like he was actually being the leader and the man in that conversation. I felt like he was kind Mm -hmm. of leaving me alone. And as all of us know, anybody who's been in a divorce or anything, when that's happening, there's a lot of financial instability happening. And it wasn't that I needed him to pay. That wasn't what I'm saying. 
was more that I needed direction and care around what I was doing and I wasn't getting any. And finally, I just got so scared that I was just like, well, fuck you, then I'll do something. And that was all of my anger directed at him for not showing up the way I wanted him to. So it's just, it's tricky, right? And he would never raise his voice at me. He would never, you know, assault me, but he did cheat on me. Like, you know Mm. what I'm saying? So his his anger went around the back and came in a different way. Well, what's, so what's the opposite of, like, we, the feminine emasculates the male. What is the opposite counterpart? Because I... Effeminate? Have, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because if they're too feminine... Because if he cheats on you, that affects your sense of womanhood in right. some way. Right. But I, I'm, I'm serious when I say, is there a word for that? I'm well, not, no, I just made it up. I know, effeminate. Because, okay. <laughs> I mean, you have masculine in the middle of emasculate. So why don't we just say effeminate? <laughs> I don't think e-womanate. Sounds a lot like inseminate. 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 Okay, stay away from that <laughs> Effeminate. One. Effeminate. Oh, it sounds like effeminate. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting, which is still about a man. Um, because there's ways in which they, you know, like I had a partner who I think tried to take away sometimes my feminine qualities because they were so afraid that I was going to cheat on them. It was like, oh yeah, that's it's like if they could make me gain enough weight or if they could um, verbally kind of attack me or say certain things that would make me feel small, I wouldn't feel like as sexy when we went out at night because I would be like this little shell of and myself. And you would depend on him. And I would for- depend on him in more ways. And so I can see that he was trying to take away my power. and my, But really, he wanted me to be less sexy, less everything. Even though he loved that about me, he wanted it all for himself. So yeah. there were ways in which he was keeping me down in that way as well. Yeah, that's interesting. So it goes both ways. It definitely does. And we are very, very good at it. And one of the things about criticism um, that I learned from Allison is criticism works on women. If people criticize us, we like clamp down. We, yeah. we stop. We look around. We're like, oh, my God, I got to stop this. Check ourselves. Yeah. It doesn't work on men. It just makes them hate you. They don't, they don't change their behavior because their behavior has nothing to do with what you think of it because men just do what they do. But if we constantly comment on the way in which they are inadequate, they will so, – now, somebody somewhere told me this, it might have been Allison, that testosterone will actually change to estrogen in their bodies if they're too emasculated. Interesting. So they actually – inside their own body, it, they will womanize themselves. They will emasculate themselves. And men emasculate themselves all the time. And I just got to say, in this culture, we have so much men bashing that it, the fact that men can actually walk down the street without hating themselves is pretty amazing. Yeah, we have to be and very I really, careful in this day and age. You know, what we're talking about is emasculating out of instinct, out of fear, and not doing it on purpose. I never, and, and that doesn't even have it a good excuse, but never is it okay to do it. I think I was doing it, though, because... I couldn't use my voice and tell the truth of how I was feeling. So I was too scared to say my true feelings. So it would come off in these like snide comments and like you're saying, the criticism. And instead of just like... Not letting him take charge. Yeah, instead of just saying like, what is, you know, what is true for me? So for instance, the other day, um, 
I had this idea. I was like super excited about it. And like I had solved a problem that I had been working on with Nurture Man. I was like, I got it. I got the answer. And he's like, that's great. And I have this idea here. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like I figured it out. What I really want to, you know, do with that project is this. He's like, yeah, and I have this idea. And I was like, dude, (laughs) like you're not hearing. And I had to get, I, I started off in my feminine, my joyful creative, right? And she stepped aside and masculine and Krista came out and was like, you're not listening to me. I actually have my own answer. I don't need you to solve it. You know, and it came off in this way. And he looked at me, he's like, great. I can't wait to see your idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny too, because it's, it's really true. So we have masculine and feminine within us mm-hmm. and women and men. Well, so we'll start with women. Women have a spectrum, right? Some, some of us are about 25% masculine or 50% masculine. We all have a spectrum of right. how that's really balanced in us. We're sort of androgynous or not, or we're way more masculine and different times of our lives and different situations. Mm-hmm. And there are times when the masculine in us will stand up to protect us, will stand up to protect our voice, like with you. There was a time in my life when I was um, mugged and I was on the street and I remember going down to the ground and the thought in my head was, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And then inside me, it was like, no fucking way is this happening. This guy mm-hmm. is not going to rape me on this dark street tonight. It's not, not going to happen. Yeah. I was just like, and, and I started screaming bloody murder. <laughs> bloody murder. I started they, screaming like a girl, bloody murder. <laughs> bloody murder. They had 10 calls to the police that I, someone was being killed. And um, so your masculine came up to save you. My masculine came up through my voice, finally, to stand up for me. In many situations in my life, that hadn't happened. But that night, I was like, whoosh. And we have to have that. So when you were finally like, hey, I mean it, I've got an idea, there's a moment when when that voice needs to come up. When it's coming up all the time and it's always challenging the man, then it's then it's a problem for him. Then we have to look at why does why am I trying to control everything all the time? Because I don't want him to stop trying this is the other thing. I don't want him to stop trying to help me, right? Because right. I love that about him, how helpful he is and he brainstorms and he actually does what he says he's gonna do. So there's this whole side of it. And then there's this part that if he goes, and he knows I love that about him. Right. So if he then takes that and runs with it and just is always going to be like the savior, then in the moments where I actually, I do have it and I am in control of it, it's like I want that to be recognized yeah. or then I start feeling helpless. Yeah. You know, I had this amazing thought one time. I had a partner who always carried my bags. Mm-hmm. And I is like downloaded like that. If you always carry my bags, I'm not going to be strong enough to survive. Mm. My arms, I if I can't hold my own arms up, my bones will disintegrate. I will actually die if you don't let me do some of this. Now, can you mostly carry my bags? Can you Absolutely. carry the heavy ones? You know, <laughs> but don't make it so I go in the house and you bring everything in. Like I want you to know that I can do it, but. You're going to do it out of loving me, if that makes sense. And also for them, it's all about partnership too, right? Like they can carry the heaviest bags and and I can be all, yay, man carries heavy bags and I can get the coffee cup and I can get the lighter bags and I can get inside and start to, you like all those things can happen, but I'm carrying my weight, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I'm not dependent. And that's, I think that's the 
the place is like, if we start to feel dependent, if we start to feel like our own voice isn't actually coming forward, what's well, that's interesting, what I felt. yeah, what's interesting is what we've been talking about last week about your divorce or two weeks ago, maybe was that it feels like all of this is about you having your loving voice able to be heard without within in, in integrity, not right. out of integrity. Right. And him being able to have his authentic voice, it will sound really different, but they will be fair and each of you will be provided for. You know? Because part of, I think, the reason um, the marriage didn't work out was because he was so much in his feminine. So his journey after the marriage has been to step back into his power and into his masculine and, and go off in the world and do the things that he always wanted to do that he was putting on the side because he, you know, was taking care of the family and me. And mine has been the opposite. It's been to let go of all of that driving masculine force and laying back a little bit and being more in the receptive mode. So it's like, you know, through the divorce, it's like, can we both just move back into the middle without having to me emasculate and him, whatever. Effeminate. <laughs> we don't know what that word is. But so he was actually always begging me to be more feminine. Sure. I'm sure he was. I'm yeah, sure that would have been great. That doesn't feel good to, I, I, I can, I wouldn't think it would feel good for a man to be with, if, if they're a straight man, it wouldn't feel good for their wife to be like, having wearing the balls around the house. You know what? And I really appreciate you just sort of stumbling over like man, woman there for a second, mm -hmm. because I think in this podcast, we really endeavor to be sex positive and make choice really for everyone to be who they are. And what we're really talking about, and we've said mostly is masculine and feminine energy. Energy. Because we are heterosexual, we always take you into our stories, which are always, have always been for me, masculine and feminine. It's not ever been even on my radar. Um, in any other way. And that is not to say that I don't have plenty of people that I love in my life who are doing this differently, making these choices. And in those relationships, it's still the same conversation. And it may be trickier. I don't know, because I'm not in those. Right. But masculine energy and feminine energy have to be balanced. And all of us have both. And so, you know, one of the things I found inside me was that my masculine voice inside me was misogynist hated women. Mm. It was the weirdest thing to come up against. One day in a meditation, I suddenly got it. The One of the reasons I struggled so hard to take care of myself was that the masculine inside me did not value the feminine. So, so you're more, right now in the process of emasculating yourself. <laughs> so more and more and more feminine I got because I was determined to do that after fighting my way through some big relationships. Mm -hmm. I just kept opening the feminine, but I couldn't get any traction with my work. Did you have to value it? I did. And so it was this massive awareness for me that suddenly inside me, my masculine's like, you don't got nothing to say. And now I'm going to go out and kill the world. But killing the world was always coming from instinct. So it never felt warm and loving who I really am to invite people in. It was a really crazy mixed up thing, but I got it from an abundance um, meditation. Actually, the one we were just doing not so long ago. The abundance book? Yeah, the abundance John book. John Randolph Price? Yeah. And um, John or William? John. John. <laughs> okay. It's John. John Randolph Price um, from the abundance book where there's these meditations you do every day. And I did them for a hundred days. It was crazy. Amazing. Went through it 10 times. And 
that's when these really big awarenesses are showing up. The other one was, this is so interesting. I was blocking my receiving from the universe, which was meaning the masculine me was like, she doesn't have enough value to receive. And the feminine me was, you're not going to, you're not going to come in here. Mm. I'm protecting myself from you. So both were off kilter and I wasn't able to receive. So I really started to change that. Lots of things have changed. Yeah, me. because if people think that um, they don't want to embrace, like if you're a man and you, don't, you say you don't want to embrace your feminine energy, it's like, well, you're you're blocking the energy that is your receptivity. receptivity and so you might be exactly. like, oh, I want to win the lottery, but do you really? Because that would mean you'd have to actually receive. receive it. That's exactly what happened. I realized that I was blocking my receptivity to the universe giving me anything. Because like, and for my upbringing, if I'm supposed to take care of myself, and that's where all the pride comes from in the family, and that's where the self-worth is from, then receiving is, it's looked down upon. It is looked down upon. Because it means you're not capable of doing it yourself. Hey, full circle to sexual transmutation. (laughs) Does anybody remember that awesome conversation? That was, God, months ago, right? But the idea that when the masculine and the feminine come together in the most powerful ways, that the energy that's created between both can actually flow really big into the world. And at the time that was written was also the same author. At the time that was written, it was written as if the energy always came through the men and that there was the woman was the transmuter or the one who gave and received from this sort of received from the man in terms of sexually, Mm -hmm. that he would give all his energy. And then she would give to him in a way that he felt like he could conquer the world. So he could be the emperor of the world, presidents, all sorts of people, right? And what you and I got into the conversation about is, huh, what if it's the woman? What if there are times in partnerships, and maybe it's only stages of life, where the woman actually comes up and the man the man's energy is, while equal, the supporting energy. Like you would never want to say it was less than because the woman was never less than either. But it got it got a little mixed up in there and people started seeing the woman as less than. Mm. But when you give your life energy to someone else and they create something in the world while you're creating something at home and kind of the conversation we've been having a lot, if it's really balanced and there's a lot of honor and respect – That's fantastic, but it can be either partner. It could be the man who's doing this massive amount of support behind the scenes and the woman who's shining. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's playing which role, right? But, and I think in relationships, sometimes one partner is the one shining and the other person needs to be okay playing the support system. And then, you know, the roles reverse and the other one steps up and that's okay too, as long as both people feel okay kind of stepping to the forefront some and stepping to the, the back front. <laughs> no, I think and I think one of the key to that is always honoring both people as having the same contribution. So and that get I think mean, that that tricky, tricky in the um, That's the like stay home marriage. mom conversation. Yes, because I never like it it was like we would go back as a family to see my family on the East Coast and all they would do was talk to my husband about all of his accomplishments and right. the whole time, not once did anybody ask me anything about me. I, and I was running a children's theater and doing shows and producing and writing, doing all kinds of things. But because it wasn't necessarily a paid gig and I wasn't fine, you know, it wasn't financially lucrative for the family, 
No one asked about it because it wasn't valued. And I literally just sat back and it started, I started getting steaming inside. And because by the end of the week, I was like, wow, it's as if I'm not even here yeah. or part of this family because it's all about his job. Yeah. They weren't even really interested in him as a human. Right. They right. were just interested. They don't want to hear he, about your hobbies. They want to no, know how you're supporting your the, family. The job. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you think about it again, it's like an instinct level unconscious behavior of people making sure you're being taken care of. Like, how are you taking care of the kids? How are you taking care of your wife? Okay, you're doing a good job. I don't okay. think they ever out. They, they didn't care about that. No, no, no. I'm talking <laughs> okay. subconsciously. Okay. I'm talking subconsciously. They okay. didn't. Because otherwise, if they were that interested in him only, they would ask about his hobbies and they would ask him. They weren't doing that. They really just wanted to know if you were safe and if the kids were safe. Maybe only the kids. <laughs> Probably only the kids. <laughs> All of us can feel devalued, especially when we devalue ourselves. So. But what it did for me is it lit a huge fire under my ass to step up in the world. Because, oh, and that's when you started emasculating him? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I was like, oh, hell no. This is not how this is going to play out for the next 30 years. I'm not just going to sit back and have been the stay-at-home mom who supported someone's career. And now, and that's why the divorce part has been so painful right now is because financially, that's just the way it works. Whoever well, was the moneymaker gets to walk away still the moneymaker. And the one who wasn't is like, what the fuck just happened? And But it has really fueled me into stepping up and out in the world into territory that I don't necessarily know that I was prepared for, but here I am. You must have been, because you never are given anything mm -hmm. you can't handle. True. We know that. So we know that for you, for our audience, we know that for us. And we do know that emasculating is never the way to get what we want. To get our needs met, obviously, you all know this and we know this, authentic communication and when we can't, we are going to do all sorts of nasty, bad behaviors and treat men poorly and tell them how to drive and tell them how to drive and where to drive and how to get... And how to raise the children and do the laundry and they didn't load the dishwasher right. <laughs> right. And <laughs> those then, were small, stupid ways in which I But it still takes nasty. away from their power. Yeah. You know, and, and the, you know, the other thing, just to touch on this for a second, is not appreciating what they bring. So a little bit around that conversation about regret when relationships are over and, you know, feeling like what was it that I did that I could learn from? Appreciation, really deeply appreciating. And I think it goes both ways. So I think that a stay-at-home mom who feels so super appreciated, like appreciated, not just tolerated for the fact that she's making that choice or that the family has made that choice, and that the kids get in on it, and they're mm -hmm. like, wow, my mom stays home, and whether she's here all the time, however she's doing it is my mom's way to do it. And wow, my dad goes to work, and my mom talks about how great my dad is, and my dad talks about how great my mom is, and they hear it from each other all the time. Then you're keeping those polarities in balance. Then you're keeping all of that good, juicy Right, Fox stuff. whether it was the dad who was staying home and the mom was out yeah. the road, doesn't matter. Or the Again, masculine, feminine like aspects of the relationship, like whoever, whatever, if the appreciation is really going all the way back and forth, back and forth between the people who need it. And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, our kids need it, too. They get so much no, 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 especially at school all day long. It's like, when do we say yes? When do we say yes? So maybe for the end of this conversation, we could all try as a possibility is whenever we're actually tempted to emasculate, that instead we actually find the thing to appreciate. So instead of um, me 
noticing that I want to tell him which way to drive, I can say, well, I really appreciate that you're taking charge and driving and literally turn my attention away. He is not going to kill us. We are not going to die if he goes three blocks the other way versus three blocks my way. Right. And my body thinks I'm going to die, so I have to calm her down. But appreciating him is a great way to calm her down because it reminds me, oh, he is actually doing just fine. Yeah. Beautiful. So on that note, babes, we love you. We do love you. Spread the love. Spread the love. Stop chopping the balls off. Stop. Stop. (laughs) Whatever you do, stop that. Love you. Bye. Bye.